Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Off the Dome Radio. We got episode 202 for you today. Justin Stouter, who's a chief technology officer of Firemon, which is a software development company focused on improving security operations and outcomes for their clients. He's also the founder of SummitWise, which is kind of a side project and business that he started that provides high altitude and high impact leadership experiences for business owners and business leaders who are trying to reach their full potential. So in this interview, Justin talks about kind of his career path, starting in financial services, insurance, progressed to software and IT, talks about key moments in his career and life that allowed him to progress to a CTO leadership role, what he's in right now. He discusses like networking best practices, how to get the most out of your working experience, how to grow and build within organization, and how to define your core values and let those drive you in your personal and professional life. So I thought there was so much we covered in this interview and I really enjoyed it. Slager, what did you think? Yeah, this was a fun one uh, with Justin. You know, we got into a lot of the nitty gritty, what he does, his roles, value add, but we just had a good time with him as well. Like we just had a lot of fun uh, in this conversation. And you mentioned his CTO role at Fireman. He was so big on core values, which I don't think we've had a guest emphasize how important those are in whatever role, in whatever company you're in, and how you should not waver in your core values. So he was very bullish on that, but it was uh, a nice insight that he provided as well. And he also talked about adding different values to your company and being a leader, even if you don't have that executive title or you know you don't have to do whatever uh, work your title confines you to do. Add value in other areas. Grow your skills in other areas and see how you can help the people around you in your company. So I thought that was also a great point that he made. And that was a big chunk of our conversation as well. Then he talked about how he would prepare for certain presentations, especially in front of maybe a board of directors. And you and I are public speakers. We like presentations, Tim. So I really wanted him to get into that. And he had some uh, some great tips and stuff that you and I even talked about after the show that we are going to take away uh, in terms of some good rules of thumb that he uses in his presentations. And then we ended the show really diving deeper into his project SummitWise, which you and I, even before doing this uh, intro, talked about doing you know, sometime next year, perhaps. And he takes uh, company leaders, executives, and they go up a mountain out west, and they have no contact with the outside world, no phones, nothing like that. They're hiking, they're doing open fire, they have all the food, all the resources you need, and they just talk a lot of shop. And he said there have been countless times where they have enhanced the business. People have started a brand new business around a, a campfire. Everyone is, is sharing ideas and insights, whether or not they're in the same industries. It's just getting great like-minded individuals to enhance somebody else's experience uh, their role and their business altogether. So that's kind of how we ended the show, uh, along with discuss discussing remote work, how vital uh, that is in our working society today. Uh, so we ask him uh, some insights on that, where he thinks that's going to go, if that will pigeonhole companies. And so we share some good experiences uh, and value with that. And then we always end the show asking how he wanted to be remembered. So great conversation here with Justin Stouter, excited for all the value that uh, you guys as listeners and as Tim and I have been able to take away from it. Hopefully he'll be on uh, 
on the show again next year. We'll go more into Summit Wise, but without further ado, here we are with Justin Stouter, episode 202. So maybe to uh, kick things off here, Justin, um, for us and our listeners, maybe a quick background, who you are, uh, what you do, but ultimately how you got where you are today. And we'll kind of dive in the weeds in between. Sure. It sounds great. So see, my career started officially 2002, so 20 years ago, and I'd always wanted to be in financial services. Um, I just really liked the idea of helping people invest in, and grow their, their nest eggs into a potential retirement. So came out of Purdue University in 2002, chased a pretty girl down to Kansas City, uh, moved away from my hometown, and started looking for a career in financial services. Um, my wife was in at KU at the time, so she was in Lawrence. So trying to find a job in a college town is pretty tough. So for six months, I did um, what I'd always done, which is just work with computers and software. I was building websites on the side and helping people with IT and found a job in downtown Kansas City um, doing insurance sales. And so quite a bit different from financial planning is yeah. insurance sales. It's a component of financial planning, but it's not about growing a nest egg. And I quickly realized like, to be successful in the insurance business was entirely different from where I was heading in my mind in financial services. But as I was going through that process, I just naturally started solving the IT problems of the business. Mm -hmm. So I really started with this desire to, to help people and, and the vehicle was financial services. Well, in the three years I worked there, that vehicle shifted to software and IT. And I transitioned from you know, a financial an insurance salesman to, I think my first title was computer administrator. <laughs> so, so did, did fun things like, you probably have never heard of token ring, but before, before ethernet and definitely before wireless was this concept of token ring and um, navigated the token ring network and administrating that. And then, you know, software things like moving people from windows 98 to windows XP. Okay. And then it just kind of took off from there. I'm going to pause because yeah, there's a lot of information there. Yeah. And I, I want to keep going. Uh, no, I want to unpack the, uh, so when you start as an insurance salesman, you obviously knew you had that other skill. Can you unpack like how that progressed into that? Was there like conversations you had with people at the company? How, what did that look and kind of moving to that role and how did you initiate that? Sure. That's a great question. So there was two part-time guys at like the local Ivy tech school that would come in and handle it. And so that was interesting because they'd have to have a handoff and they weren't, they weren't really passionate about their job. They were just doing it to, to get through school. So they've got that on one side, but really the deciding factor was on the other side. And that is insurance sales, at least back then was really, really hard. And, and you had to, at least in my opinion, the most successful people in that business had to sacrifice a little bit of morality to get mm. to that point where you're actually making enough money to make a living out of it. Mm. And I wasn't willing to do that. Meaning mm -hmm. if I was selling insurance to, let's say your, your grandma <laughs> and uh, the way it's compensated is you have this big 50% first year commission. And then after that, there's a trailing like, you know, two and 3% commission. So what people would do is they would sell that first year product and then come back around the next year and be like, you know what, that product we sold last year, there's a better one. Let's get you out of that and get you into another one just mm -hmm. to continue that first year commission. Mm -hmm. I wasn't I wasn't willing to do that. Now, there are plenty of ethical 
insurance salesmen in the world, but the particular place I landed was definitely not that. And so I was at odds with like cramming insurance policies down these people's throat and then doing the same thing year after year while there was this great opportunity. And the story is great because I reported to the managing partner and he was your stereotypical Midwestern insurance salesman, custom suits with white popped collars, you know, gold (laughs) chains, really slick, an amazing, amazing salesperson. But he was doing that behavior and uh, and asked me to support him in that. And I, I refused. And um, in one instance, it blew up in his face and he lost a really big deal, about a $700,000 deal to him. And he brought that to account with the, the president of the business, which was his boss and wanted to fire me. Well, in that kind of a theme that you'll see through here, there's some of the questions that, that I think you'll get to, like, how did, how have I gotten to where I am now? Well, first and foremost, it's all about the people and treating people the way you want to be treated, no matter what, no matter what position you're at um, at all. And the managing part and the president of the company had an executive assistant and I had treated her really well in my three years there, taking care of things like picking up the trash when nobody else would mm-hmm. or preparing the, the boardroom for meetings or going and getting lunch for everybody, et cetera. And it came to an inflection point where all three of those people were in a room. The managing partner wanted to fire me because I cost him the business by my ethics. The president of the company was just listening. And the executive assistant spoke up and said, what about, what about Justin? as the commute computer administrator we'll get rid of the two part-time guys because it's really not great the handoff's not great they don't care we'll take him and put him into that role so i went from 20 i think i was making twenty eight thousand dollars a year to getting fired to getting a new job all in a day at thirty six thousand dollars doing it administration wow all all because yeah it was a day (laughs) yeah right um yeah yeah, when your That's wife how says, that... how, how was your day at work? How much time you got? You got a lot to go through. Um, That's great. I, I love that story. And yeah, what a what a trip by that executive assistant seeing like, okay, here's the, the solution to solve everyone's problem. Like the guy who lost the account didn't want you on his team. You didn't want to be out of a job. The president, he kind of wanted to stay out of it. Like I'll figure it out. And she was able to make everyone happy. Everyone saved face. The one guy, yeah, he didn't get his account, but he got rid of you. You don't lose a job. Like that's just so much awareness on her part and knowing and knowing you too, like what you like, what you really wanted to do and being able to in a room full of, let's be honest, a shitload of testosterone, yeah, that's uh, right. you know, taking control of the wheel and be like, all right, what if we did this? And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. She actually had a spreadsheet ready. I didn't know any of this, but she wow. had it already with like breaking down the cost uh, of the two folks that were doing it currently and how they could parlay that uh, into the role for me. And from there, my career just kind of launched uh, yeah. into yeah. IT and software development. And it was a pivotal moment for sure. And I, I don't regret that at all. Like, yeah, I would not have been a great salesman. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's an important lesson for a lot of people too, especially people when it's their first like real job after college. Cause I know a lot of people, they're in a situation where they may join a company that they're interested in growing and building with or any company. And they may not be fully sure that this is a role or a skill that they're, they're confident in using or, or want to do or morally conflicted with it. And yeah, like you said, it all comes down to the people, the relationships. And it sounds like you, you at least stayed curious too. Like you were curious enough to build relationships, ask good questions. And when the time came, 
it opened up because you had those relationships in, in place and didn't stay in the silo of your role, I guess. That's right. Oh yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And doing it with um, altruism uh, at the core, you know, not never playing politics or angling um, ever. Yeah. I refuse mm-hmm. to do that. Yeah. So Justin, what would you say to, I mean, there's umpteen different sales jobs that, that people can find themselves in. If someone's in a company and they see that they have to compromise their ethics, their morals, in order to get ahead, to keep that job even, uh, how would you say they should approach that situation or discussion? Should they try to have that discussion with somebody just to where they feel so stuck? If I say this thing, I might lose my job. Then I have, I have bills. Maybe I got a family, but I don't want to go against my ethics. What do you think would be a good approach in that scenario for them to kind of see if they can land in the middle ground? Sure. That's a great question. And one of the things, so one of the things I would counsel anybody, no matter where they're at in their career is you first have to have a set of personal core values and not just like a thought about it, not just maybe on a whim. Yeah. I I think I want to operate that way. No, you need to name them. You need to memorize them and you need to put them up. I mean, if I could show you my whiteboard there, mine are right up there right now. Those are my personal personal core values. These are things that I will not compromise. Um, things like accountability and, and trust and integrity. Um, and these are the cornerstones of how I operate both in the workplace and out of it. And there can be like a faith component to that too. There definitely is for me, just so you know, like that's really important to me and I will never compromise those things ever. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, there's, a, there's also an opportunity to just to extend the amount of faith you have, meaning not religious per se, but like faith in the value that you bring to an organization by having those core values and knowing that it's not just this company that values that in you. So it gives you the strength and the wherewithal to sit in that moment and say, you know what, you're you're asking me to do something that challenges my core values, my core beliefs, and I'm not willing to compromise on those. And here's why. Not being obstinate and being like, well, that's really distrustful. No, explaining to like when you are asking me to pull that insurance policy away and resell another one, that's not that's not a high integrity. That's not the type of person I want to be. I don't think that that's the type of company you want to build. Um, you know, if you're talking to a manager, mm-hmm. it's really hard to combat that. Yeah. It's really hard to say, well, I don't give a shit because you got to <laughs> go make your quota. If you, if that's the type of place you were wanting to work, I don't know many people like that. So yeah. to succinctly, so like, it's really important that you develop your own set of core values and don't compromise. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Love it. It's great. So, so let's keep going down that journey. If that makes yep. sense. Like, yeah, you know, 100%. I was, Okay. So, um, yeah, for sure. Well, well, yeah, we'll we'll talk. Yeah, no, we'll talk about like, as well as like how you've kind of led that at your company right now, but yeah, do you want to just like kind of give a recap as well as like from there and then fast forward to today at Firemont? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I've had a lot of different jobs, uh, a lot of different opportunities, (laughs) but this next move was really key into launching, uh, you know, a career in software development. So I, a lot of people get confused. IT information technology is not equal to software development. IT, you know, back then it was networks and routers and switches and firewalls. It was laptops and big, huge computers. It was, you know, getting under a desk and plugging in a mouse and a keyboard and making sure that the operating system worked. That is entirely separate and distinct from like writing software and building an application. So in the moment I was in IT 
And, and to make the leap from IT to software development, usually you have to have the appropriate degree. Well, I had a degree in organizational leadership. So really not applying directly, concretely, and discreetly to IT or software. It was more at a, a different level. There's a software company in Kansas City that started up, and it was uh, just an incredible place to work. It was like the place that people really dreamed to work at. It was called Perceptive Software. And I got introduced. This is There's another theme. There's a core value theme that's going to come through everything we talk about today. And then there's another one about just being vulnerable and networking, uh, not at the, and not at the expense of like, um, of yourself, but just trying to get out and meet people and like continue to grow your community and your network. Well, I had started that journey, um, you know, moving from everyone and everything I knew where my network was built up by my dad and my grandpa and his dad, where I had it instantly available to knowing no one, you know, I just had to put myself out there. So through my network, I got introduced to Perceptive Software and I applied for a managed services consultant role. And so um, they were they were getting, a, what was it, 1,100 resumes for every one role, wow. which is just outstanding. Wow. Uh, and I got the job. And so I made the transition from IT over to software and started helping people with um, database upgrades and application upgrades. And, and then from there, just took that software career further another five years and started managing people and went from team lead to manager to director to vice president and now to CTO. So, so made the transition from IT to software and then from like pure direct line work to managing people and then managing leaders of leaders and now leaders of leaders of leaders. Mm -hmm. uh, that's kind of a fast forwarded transition. Mm -hmm. Wow. And when you started that path, of IT to software development, did you know all along that you would eventually be in a position where you wanted to teach and mentor and manage other people? Was that always like an end goal for you? I would love, Tim, I'd love to say that that was intentional, <laughs> but uh, I'll be honest with you. I, it wasn't. Mm -hmm. And and I'm very thankful I went down that path because I have some apparent like gifts in that, in that realm of just building people up and encouraging and motivating and inspiring people and building really healthy teams that love to kick ass. Uh, I didn't see that at the time. I, I, mm -hmm. I wish I could. I, I envy the people that were like from the beginning, you know, when I was six, I knew I wanted to go be an airline <laughs> pilot. I'm like, I, yeah. I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do when I grow up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah true. <laughs> Cause I mean, as, as we progress through life, different priorities come up, different interests come up and yeah, it's, I think it's always good to explore ourselves and, see what we like because things change. That's right. That, that's absolutely right. And I actually, that, there's a, there's an inflection point in there where I was managed service consultant for a couple of years and then got promoted to team lead and in software development companies that, that title means you can direct the work of a few people, but you have no idea how much they make. You don't get to do their reviews, you know, from an HR standpoint, they still report to somebody else. So it's this kind of awkward place to be. So I went, you know, managed service, team lead and managed services. Then I made a leap over to the software side of the house, pure software, and became and took a title demotion from team lead to just a software tester. Uh, and but then six months after that, got promoted back to team lead. So I started recognizing that I had some natural skills there that I needed to uh, complement with training and with an understanding of what it's like to lead people. And that journey started when I lost the team lead role but then regained it and thought, this is, this is what I want to do. Like I want to lead people. I, I absolutely want to do this. And I just doubled down on it. And then from there, that's, that's been the journey. 
is yeah. leading people and building teams. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. yeah. And, and you mentioned you came from, you know, you started an insurance where that environment was just, it was toxic to you. So when you discovered that you really wanted to lead people, what were some, some things that you did in order to create, you said you want kick-ass teams. You want people that want to be there. How do you create that kind of culture? Because a lot of times leaders might say, oh, I don't want it to be this way. And it ends up exactly how they don't want it to go. So what are some things you've done uh, in the creating of the environment that you think is going to be the most successful for people? Well, I've had a, a lot of, you know, since that moment I've been in, I'm trying to think back. I've been in, yeah, I've never built from scratch a team from like, you know, I, I've been in some really early stage startups, but there's always been someone that I'm inheriting. Um, and so the conversation remains the same regardless, whether you're inheriting people or you're hiring people in. Uh, it's what are you doing now that you enjoy? What what are you doing now that sucks? <laughs> and how do we how do we get more of that enjoyment in your life? Like what's mm-hmm. the gap and how do we get you there? And the, you really have to disarm it when you're coming into a team. For example, I've had that conversation probably 50 times in the last three months. And that sometimes when, when you're embracing a new leader, that comes across as like, you know, you're trying to find and get rid of people. So you exceptionally at this day and age have to disarm that and let people know, like, I am your champion. I, I have the influence in this organization where you want to go and where you want to be. So to answer your question, it's a, it's a posture of transparency and, and grace. Uh, I would never be, and I couldn't be that really hard charging cutthroat, like come in, like basically what Elon just did. I'm watching that and I'm yeah. like, I could never do that ever. Yeah. Um, no, cause I, I really truly innately care for human beings. And so that's the, Thankfully, I've been in a place where the, the pressure, um, the timeliness has been such, there's always pressure, but the timeliness has been such that I can have that conversation mm. and then affect a change in those people's lives. Sometimes it's it's encouraging them to transition out of the company. Other times it's moving them to an entirely different place. Um, so that's that's kind of a, not, not a succinct way of just answering your question, but that's the approach I take. Yeah, okay. 100%. Yeah, and let's let's talk about that new role that you just assumed. Can you tell us a little bit about what your role is, the company, and I guess how long you've been there because it's somewhat recent, right? Sorry, you guys broke up for a second. Um Oh, you're you good. Right? Yeah, yep. can you hear me? Yep. Yes, I can. Oh, yeah. Okay, so the new role, correct? Is that the question? Yeah, I would just tell us a little bit about your role and like the the company that you just joined and it's pretty recent, right? So and I guess when did you start as well? Sure. It's been three months and two weeks. So, you know, I think one thing I want to convey to your audience is there's a dangerous, there's a dangerous question that you can ask and it's dangerous because it can go a couple different ways. But I learned this along my journey. Um, And that moment when I took that job at Perceptive, I just went and started asking all kinds of people for coffee, for lunch, like, tell me how people that were two, three, four levels above me in different organizations, how did you get there? Like, how did, what did you do? What were the key points, um, you know, a- along the way? And, and that, that transformed me in a way that I never thought possible. Back to your question about intentionality. 
And you learn things when you do that. You gain little snippets. Like I imagine there might be someone that could end up watching this and be like, I'm going to take that away and apply that. Well, I put that on steroids uh, times 10. Like I just <laughs> consumed, I was sponging it. And I had to be transparent and vulnerable and be like, I don't know. That's one of the scariest things that people, especially in software development, maybe definitely in leadership, are afraid of saying. And I would go to them and be like, I got this new thing. I got all these people. I don't know what to do. What would you do? So one of the guys was a CTO and back, this is 2015, 2016. And he continually asked like, whatever I can do to add value. And it seems a little too general, general. Um, and then make sure I'm connected. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, like when you think about whatever I can do to add value, it's a heavy question if you're willing to receive the feedback. And so I took this job to learn about go to market and sales enablement back in March in a different area of the business. And I have this massive network of people, global network of people that, that through occupation and through intentionality I've built. And so I would go to the CEO of the business, who's my boss and say, what do you, what do you need you know, on the other side of the house? How can I add value? And I'd put people in front of him from my network. We hired one of them recently, but we kept coming back around to the technology organization. Uh, you know, I'm over in this business, this side business of Firemon trying to help grow it, trying to get it to market um, and, you know, continually asking him, how can I add value? And at one point he's like, I got a product organization and an engineering organization and we're struggling to get them to work together, that cohesion. And I feel like I need you know, a level above that to bring that all together. And I was like, okay, well, let's talk about that. Uh, I've got a bunch of people I think that would do a great job at that. Started the conversation and about halfway through the first hour, uh, he started shaking his head and said, I just can't help but think that you would be great at this. And so in that moment, mm. I'm like, oh, shit, what do I say? Because <laughs> I just took this role on. I'm three months in. I've got this amazing rapport already built. It's a small team, about nine people, amazing people, strong culture, uh, much maligned in that they were acquired and kind of shelved. And so we've got this like underdog mentality and, and there's an mm. opportunity to win and we're kicking ass and a bunch of sales potentially on the horizon. Uh, but I asked, I said, well, if that's what I can do to add the most value, then let's talk about that. And so we spent the next three or four days talking about what it would look like. What was I scared about? What would he be risking by bringing someone in at that the CTO level? And we ended up deciding that it would be the best for the company to do it. And we, I outlined all the different things because you can, a CTO role can be a lot of different things. It can be mm -hmm. product centric where you're just focused on the product. It can be operational where you're just, you know, you're thinking about the organization and the teams and the process and all that. And then it can be visionary where you're way ahead and you're charting the future of the product. And we identified that and said, I'm not going to be the visionary because I've got six months with this product and there are people that have 10, 15 years with it. Right. Uh, we'll have to rely on them yeah. to help craft and cast the vision, but I will be product centric and I will be operational. And that is what we decided to do. So three months in, you know, went through an analysis of the entire organization. It's about 101 people found a lot of different areas of uh, inefficiency. And I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about, you know, the way work's being done, the constraints of the business, detailed things like branching strategy and, and how we actually do our builds, identified those things, went through an entire reorganization to get us focused, to get both uh, self-sufficient from a team standpoint Instead of having these hierarchical teams that have to like talk to each other over hoops, everyone's co-located in one team with one with one mission, one purpose, 
um, it takes a lot of effort to do that well and to really mm-hmm. care for people in, in the process. We just launched that a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago. And uh, so far, so good. It's looking really promising. That's that's where I find myself right now. There's other, there's also, Tim and Con, there's a concept of when you're in a CTO role, actually any role at the executive level, that you have to be cognizant of internal versus external. And, and some, te- some people will say, I think there's a book about it, thinking in versus on the business. Um, it's a little different because thinking in and on is a strategic way of approaching a business. Like, are you in the business right now or are you on it? Uh, the internal versus external is more your exposure. Like, how, are you with your employees more than you're with your potential customers or customers? And and I think of that as a slider between, you know, like zero and 100%, you know. And right now, I am moving from almost exclusively internal to mm-hmm. an external posture. And, and that's where you're finding me right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a good that's such an exciting role for you. Yeah. It sounds like and I love the self-awareness too on your part. We talked about the three aspects of the CTO role, the the product focus, operation, the visionary. You knew I, I like the fact that you just you had the empathy and knowing people have been there for 10 to 15 years. And I'm sure like people appreciate that too. Like because like in a leadership role, people are gonna know things that you don't, and you having the self-awareness to to educate yourself by asking questions. I think it's so important as well. So you're exactly right, Tim, because I knew that I would be coming into account, meaning Mm -hmm. this is a 20 year old business. There are a lot of people that are passionate that have been here much, much longer, multiples of time longer than me that are very passionate about the product and acquiescing that to them, as opposed to like manifesting myself into some unnatural position of authority (laughs) that I would have, I would have come under the crosshairs as I'm not, (laughs) I'm not a salesperson, (laughs) you know? so actually it gave me a lot of freedom being transparent and vulnerable in that moment allows me to like last week we were in Kansas city for a product strategy and vision around the product. And um, it was a hard meeting. It was a really hard meeting for me because I wanted to be the person that was like, this is where we should go. Like, this is the future of this space. But I didn't, I don't honestly, was probably the least qualified in the room to do that. And you've got imposter syndrome that starts kind of creeping in and, just have to remind yourself. And so maybe to put a little bit of meat on that bone, when we got through those conversations, the CEO and I, we wrote up an objective document and you can call it like a job description, but it was basically like, this is what your 90 days are going to be focused on. And so that night I went home or I was in Kansas city. I opened up my computer, I pulled up that document and it sure enough, everything that was being asked of me, I was doing. And it was key things like execute on the vision for the company, not go create the vision and then execute it. Mm. So I think the takeaway there is like, when you find yourself in that type of a role, be transparent, be vulnerable, but then memorialize it, write it down and have an agreement with your boss that says, this is what we're agreeing to. If there were, can you imagine if in that moment ambiguity was allowed, I would be, I'd I'd either be fired or probably be looking for a new job right now. Right, right, right. But there wasn't. We named it. We called it out. We said, "Here's the gaps," and and it's not so so much to say that I'm always going to be the executor of the vision. Over time, as I stay with the company and become more indoctrinated with what we're doing, I should be able to actually start casting that vision because I'm more aware. But far be it for me to do that now Mm -hmm. when we have much better qualified people. And I love how you said you wrote it down too. Tim and I, we talk about from journaling to writing down your goals, just putting things on paper. 
And for you and, and the CEO, those were also your expectations lined out. So you knew what had to be done. And so there were no surprises like, oh, why didn't you do this? Like, well, was it on our sheet? Um, but also I commend you for, you know, the awareness you have and, and honesty with yourself of, you know, your strengths and your weaknesses. You said you can, you're not going to say, hey, this is what we should do 10 years. Like, this is what the industry will be. You know, you're not doing that, but you know where you can do other things. And that is execute what has been laid out in front of you. That's right. People try to do everything. It's like, no, you're in your role for your strengths. Other people can help you pick up some slack and vice versa. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's well said. Yes, exactly. And, but that takes a, you know, in that moment, imagine if I would have said, look, uh, Jody, he's the CEO. Um, yeah, I'm just, I had to be prepared to receive negative feedback there. What could be perceived as negative feedback. Now I was in a, a really position of, a, of strength Take you know, I was the GM and VP of one of the side businesses. So if he would have said, you know what, it's not going to work. Why don't you get some people in front of me that can do the job? That would have been, I would, honestly, I would have been fine with that because mm-hmm. I was down a path with this group and I really care about humans and taking care of them. But uh, we both acknowledged that there was some strengths that the company needs right now and some weaknesses that we could suffice with other people. And so far it's working out really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, no, awesome. that's great. Justin, you talked about earlier on the podcast how <clears throat> your core values have driven a lot of your life-changing decisions, like inflection points of your life and career. Core values have driven that. In your position right now, do you see an opportunity for you to um, improve the core values of your company, or are there any core values that y- you're really making sure are present in everyday work and operations there at Firemom? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a that's a great question. Uh, and and I could sit here back to the whole transparent and honesty. I've never until now really understood the, how like the um, aligning your core values to a role has always been something that's I'm aware of, but then like championing those values of your organization. Uh, once organization aligns on that is critical. And so the first thing I did was, was meet with my leadership team when taking on this role and ask like, what are, our core values that what I'm trying to get to is Firemon has a set of core values, but they're, they've been around for a while. It might offend people for me to say this, but they're dated and, and they need, like you need, you need to at least go through some period where you're analyzing and like, those were what we said four years ago. Do they still apply today? Mm-hmm. And so I had this, uh, maybe this friction point where I, I didn't want to wait for them to re go through that process. So I'm kind of driving core values from the or- the techno tech organization out. So we met, we talked about what was important to us and we aligned on four trust, ownership, integrity, and quality. Uh, and then like from there, that's great. Fantastic. You got your core values. What do you do with it? <laughs> well, we talk about it. We talk about it all the time. It becomes the litmus test for how we behave as an organization. We memorialize it. Uh, I had a bunch of shirts made with, I had a custom logo uh, and you'd probably look at that and be like, that's, that's an interesting logo. You know, how do you get core values into a logo? Well, we did it. Uh, it's not going to go, you know, it's not going to go overtake the Nike swoosh, but it's at least something that you can look I at. <laughs> we'll, we'll throw it up on the video when we cut clips. You never know. It's the internet. I, I want some merch. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You want some merch? Oh, yeah. and <laughs> with Firemon to its credit does the best merch period. So I had for my leadership team, a bunch of Navy Adidas uh, hoodies, uh, half zip hoodies, actually they're no zip hoodies made with our core value logo on the chest. I had a bunch, That's pretty awesome. I had a, 
Yeah, I had a bunch of um, pads made with our core value on it right here. Mm, that's cool. Nice. Um, yeah, and sent out to the whole company. And then whenever I present, like I just presented yesterday to the board of directors for our Q3, Q3 review, mm-hmm. you better believe on my slides are our core values. So maybe this is like bring this back in and summarize it. Like you need to, regardless of the organization around you, I think it's a trap sometimes to say, it's a trap. But um, it's a trap to say, those are from my Star Wars friends. <laughs> well, the organization doesn't have core values and I'm only leading three people. That's kind of silly. No, that's bullshit. Like, go meet, take them out to lunch and be like, hey, what, what's important to you as you operate, you know, personally and within this business? And let's identify it. Let's memorialize it and let's live it out. Let's run every decision. You know, is it trustworthy? Does it bring quality to the business? Does it have high integrity? Does it allow us to embody ownership? That took me 10 seconds, maybe five to say that and think it. Why not do that? Why not apply that filter to everything you're doing and then watch as the business thrives? And that's exactly where we're at right now. That's great. And I think when you uh, challenge people with that thinking, it it brings a different level of, of work out of them too. Like it's, Everything is more methodical. It's like, okay, why am I doing this? Is this good quality? Is this an in- integral part of, of the process? Um, and maybe some of that you know, changes over time, which I love how you said this was four or five years ago. Uh, what, do we, what do we believe now? Because people are going to change and revolve. And, and it's like, not everyone's going to believe the exact same thing. There might be similarities, but you know, what is the new constant? Yes, that's exactly right. Well said. And then don't wait for the company or for the confines that you find yourself in for you to establish your own. And then watch as it starts matric- or, or percolating out amongst your peers. They're like, well, crap, I don't have any core values. Maybe we should think about that. Yep. That's a, it's a form of leadership. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Uh, oh, I had another question. Oh, yes. Uh, you said you presented to the board of directors. And yes. I want to kind of talk about your your prep for something like that. And, you know, to, to me and other people, that sounds like, Oh, you're presenting to the board of directors. That's, that's a big to do. So uh, what is kind of your prep with that? Uh, how do you kind of mitigate the pressure you put on yourself with that? What, what's your process when you have those big presentations? What's that like? Sure. There's two that I'd love to speak to. One was yesterday and I've done that. I've done that a lot in my career and in the, the beauty of zoom is it kind of disarms a little bit of that tension okay. and pressure. Cause you're not in person. Um, I'm trying to think like I, yesterday I had just a couple slides and I'm not accountable for the financial, the financials of the business. I am accountable for improving the product product quality, which directly, you know, affects the financials of the business. What I mean by that is there's a lot more scrutiny from the board of directors with the CFO. And where we're, and the, the chief revenue officer and like, okay, what are we doing to grow the financials of the business? It almost seems like the product, even though it's a software product business, is not is isn't as integral at the point we're at right now. So so yesterday wasn't as intense as some board meetings I've been a part of. Hmm. Uh, but still, but still you can feel that anxiety starting to come up when you're looking down at the bottom and the slides at 25, 26, and your slide 28. Absolutely. I was taking deep breaths, um, calming myself. And this is a trick that I have, you know, most people don't remember what you say. They really don't. (laughs) Um, And most people are so focused 
um, what they have next and what dinner they're going to tonight and what their husbands or wives or kids are doing right now that I like to remind myself, like, you're not as important as you think, dude. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Now, what you're yeah. conveying is important, but I just disarm myself with that and say, like, I hope and pray that one thing is taken away from what I'm about to convey, even just one data point. There's a really interesting study. This is a super tangent, but I'm passionate Let's go. about letting everybody. Yeah. I'm ready for yeah. this. I want this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm strapped in. We go where you go, Justin. Yeah, well, this is great. Well, I want to get back to the presentation I did yeah. back in March and the prep I did for that. But yep. there is a Harvard study that not many people are aware of. And then it relates directly to presenting or presenting within PowerPoint or within some type of means like PowerPoint. Mm-hmm. And it's the seven by seven rule. And they did like a decade of studies on presentations, both back when you had to do it in person with a projector and now with PowerPoint. And they came out with like seven by seven. If you have seven bullets with no more than seven words on each one, people will retain 90% of that information. If you mm-hmm. violate that in any way, shape or form, it goes from 90% to 25%. And it's this concept of our brains can only take in so much as it's being presented in that manner. And mm-hmm. they'll just dump out the rest. Interesting. So my slides were, I think I had like four bullets with just a couple words. And then you speak to that. Yeah. So the prep for yesterday was, you know, we had a massive week last week, product strategy all day in Kansas City, executive strategy, executive offsite, right into the board of directors. Um, I've found it really depends on you how you prepare for things. There are some people that like maybe you know, with you guys probably much closer to coming out of college than I was. I did the, my son is a great example. My son will study, study, study days and days and days and days in advance and crush his tests. Mm-hmm. For me, I'll spend 15 minutes, you know, starting with a concept of how I want to portray some information and then I'll leave it. And the power of the subconscious mind is another understated thing, meaning letting your brain go to work while you sleep is so powerful. So the days in, in leading up to this, I knew what I wanted to convey. I started putting it together. A lot of times it starts on a notepad, just some ideas of what I want to convey. And then I sleep on it and I come back to it. I'm like, well, that's not going to land well with where we're at. I'm going to change mm-hmm. this or change that. So I'm long-winded, but but um, I do a lot better in not this big, massive amount of preparation, just mm-hmm. little 15 and 30-minute segments. Um, and it lets me just let those ideas set in and like come from a place of authenticity. Yeah. yeah. And, and then back in April. So that's that's for a PowerPoint presentation and, and how you're trying to convey information. You know, seven mm-hmm. by seven is important. Graphics are important. Stories around what's actually taking place are what people will remember as opposed mm-hmm. to like, yeah you know, we increased productivity by 50%, you could say, well, I've got three people who were operating in a manner that was not conducive to them being productive at all. We got these blockers out of the way. They're thriving now. And the work product demonstrates that output. Those two things that I just said, basically the same thing, except I told a story around the people that Mm -hmm. are impacted. That's really important to me. I love that. Yeah, that's huge. That was so good. Yeah, let me, so back in, back in <laughs> definitely here's the deal okay well i'm, I'm gonna give you a, a freaking bomb right now and it might be a little awkward but i'm gonna give it to you anyway so um i started march 28th and the day i started my boss and still the same guy i was reporting to the ceo um my boss came to me and said hey in three weeks we're having the tech summit in kansas city there'll be 200 people there 
And I need you to do a keynote on the future strategy for the business you just took over. That's like, cool. That's pretty sweet. <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> but I had three weeks to prepare for a, a business. I was no, I had no, <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I had no idea. Yep. No, no idea. Some groundwork so, to be done. Some groundwork to be done. Um, and from there, it was just this amazing, it was a high, high water moment in my career where I thought about it back to that point. I was like, well, I, I don't know anything about this space, cyber asset management. I don't know anything about the people. I don't know anything about the product. Um, I started going down this path of like wanting to assert myself and and the strategy and the vision. And I was like, that's inauthentic. Let's think about the history of the business. And so once I started diving into the story behind the creation of this business, it became like, I knew I was going to crush it. I knew it because I could speak from this authentic place of the history of this amazing business that started in 1998 at Bell Labs and then grew from there, working for the CIA that wanted to map the entire internet to where it is now. And most of the people in the audience had no idea. They had no clue whatsoever. Uh, And so I got my presentation ready. And back to the point about being vulnerable and transparent, I went to a leadership group that I have here in the Springs and said... I got this big presentation. I'd love your help with it. And my buddy there was, he's a previous CEO who's exited multiple businesses. He's like, I'm on it. Be at the coffee shop 7 a.m. on Friday and send me the link of your, your business leadership team. So I sent it. And guys, I showed up at that coffee shop with a half-baked presentation and seven of my guys dressed and in persona from the executive team. Like there, there was a guy that was pretending to be the CEO and the chief revenue officer and the CFO and the board. And they spoke to me, not like my friends, but like these personas. And I, I presented in front of them. And in that wow. moment, as I'm going through the presentation, um, one of my friends, he's a CEO here, a different guy, CEO of a nonprofit. And he took me aside. He's like, you realize like you have a birthright to the internet. Like you were there when the internet create, was created. You were actually there before the internet was created. He said, you have a birthright to the internet. And I, dude, I grabbed that. Yeah. <laughs> and as I did my presentation in front of those 200 people, I said, you guys, do you understand that we possess a birthright to the internet? And from there, hooked, oh, told yeah. multiple stories about the, the genesis of the business and the impact that it could have. Mm-hmm. If you can give a presentation to seven people in a coffee shop doing personas. Imagine what it's like when you finally get called on. And here is Justin Stouter to talk about the future of Lumetta. It yeah. was like, it was awesome. It was awesome. And the feedback from that presentation, guys, well, I wouldn't be in this role today if I hadn't mm-hmm. done that. People came to me like, that was amazing. That was inspirational. Like, I, I had no idea. Like, that was incredible. I want to work for that guy. Well, backtrack to the point when Jody's like, you got to go give this presentation. I was terrified. But I was transparent. I was vulnerable. I sought help. There was probably 15 different revisions. I went upstairs with my family. They heard it so many times they didn't want to hear it anymore. <laughs> I walked the room. The day before the presentation, I walked the room. And I, I walked over to every single chair. And I just thought about the people that were going to be in that chair listening to my presentation up to that. Remember, I'd only been there three weeks. I just put myself out there in the breakfast and the coffee and the awkward moments before that presentation to meet people so that when I looked out on the crowd, I knew that's James and James has a kid who loves soccer and, and that's you know Susan or whatever. So 
I put all that together and had this amazing uh, experience in a tight time frame that I'll, I'll never forget. And that has changed the trajectory of my career. Wow. That's fantastic. Thank, yeah. That was a really good story and good, good question. To open up that story as well. No, that, that, was, yes. that was good. That was good. <laughs> no, but no, those are those friends too, that listen to your presentation in the coffee shop. Those are the types of friends you, you need in your corner. I love that. And That's yeah, right. we, uh, a couple episodes ago, we brought on a filmmaker and like storyteller so he interviews like fortune 500 ceos and he tells their story goes back to what you were saying like people people will remember stories a a lot a lot better and it sounds like you took that project on and um, obviously you did hours and hours of preparation but yeah you you, at the end of the day you told a story and that's what that's what that's what people were locked in for um in addition to the preparation you did so yeah i love that yeah there's a there was a story with it. You're right. The story makes all the difference. Um, and that's why I'm, I'm constantly thinking maybe to, to summarize, like, how do you prepare? What's the story behind the presentation? Because if you don't have a story to tell, it's just a bunch of words. Sincerely. I told a story in that presentation, multiple stories, but one of the key ones that people remembered was when I was at us bank and um, cybersecurity area, information security, which is what we do obviously at Firemont, and, and the CISO, the chief information security officer, I'll never forget was in his boardroom in Cincinnati. And uh, he's a really um, dominating presence of a man, a large man, very bombastic in, in speech. And, and um, he's sitting there trying to ascertain. So, so Lumeta basically is an asset management and asset discovery tool. It, you would install it and it would bring to you all the different assets within your network in a way that you can understand it. And it does it fast and it does it over and over. So you have this constant posture or awareness of what's in your network. Um, so knowing that, set that aside, uh, the guy's name's Tim and Tim's sitting there and people are giving their updates and you can tell like he's just getting more and more angry and he slammed the desk and stood up and everyone's like, Ooh, oh crap, what's happening? And he's like, I have an organization of a hundred million dollars. I have a thousand employees and there's not a fucking person in this room that can tell me what my posture is. And I told that story, you know, at the presentation and you correlate that with the fact that we, we present your actual posture. I'm like, there's a thousand Tim's out there hankering for pining for this solution. All we got to do is connect them. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's a lot. That's a lot different than saying, well, statistics show that 56% of CISOs over the next two years are going to allocate budget for this tool. Right. Can you, you know, that's, I'm, I'm driving home the point by pounding into the ground, but if you, if you don't have a story to accompany your presentation, you might as well not even get it. Mm-hmm. Such a good point. Yeah. And yeah, you said it as well with the productivity thing, increase productivity by 50%. There's a story behind how you increase that productivity behind 50%. So that, yeah, right. that, that helps me. You saying that it, it inspires me even more to be a better career coach and resume writer. As I tell someone's story on paper, like everyone has a story, everyone has a unique story. So yeah, no, appreciate you sharing that. Um, yeah. Fireman, right now, I know you said you, you're you're focusing you're focusing internally, externally. Are there any other projects that you're working on right now, or past projects that have been memorable to you so far? Or any that you would like to share on the podcast right now? I'd love to, gentlemen. So I have something I'm exceptionally passionate about that I do as a side business. It's called Summitwise, S U M M I T W I S E, and I just this morning presented to a group of uh, female business leaders in the monument area that I live, uh, the whole concept of this business. And so SummitWise, it's fresh in my mind. SummitWise started four years ago 
as an opportunity to take people foreign to the Rocky Mountains into um, an, a mountain top experience. There are 58, 14,000 foot peaks in Colorado. They're called 14ers. And uh, it's an accomplishment to get to the top of them. So it just started naturally by my friend reaching out and saying, can you put together an experience four years ago? I had one client and two guests. And we did this thing where we, we set up a high camp at 11,000 feet and we put up the tents and, and we made all of the food and we had these clients come in. We took care of everything. It's like top tier executive level white cloth experience at 11,000 feet sleeping in a tent and walked That's away awesome. from that thinking, well, that was, yeah, that was really cool. Like, you know, the words live the dream are used so flippantly, but I encourage you just like the core values, like analyze what a living the dream is for you. And if you're not doing that, what's the Delta and how do you get there? Because mm-hmm. when I was in Kansas city, I would look out across my computer at the clouds coming through and imagine them as mountains because I just loved the mountains. I never thought, you know, four years ago, we would move to the mountains and I would start procuring these mountaintop experiences. So, you know, 2019, um, you know, did, did that one trip, used the name SummitWise. I didn't even have a website, didn't have any collateral, didn't know how to charge people, didn't know how to work with the United States Forest Service uh, and thought it was done. Like, yeah, that was really cool. I'll be able to tell people I professionally guided well, I had a friend reach out back to the whole point of like just putting yourself out there. He's a chief operating officer of a, of a multi-billion dollar business. He reached out to me and he had heard through word of mouth that I had done this through back in Kansas City. And he's, his email, I'll never forget it. I still have it. It said, needs mountains. That was the subject. And I was like, what? <laughs> uh, so, so I read it. And he's right. like, Justin, I hear what you're doing out there. And I want, I want that. So the next year we took, uh, that would be 2020, I took one client and four guests. So, you know, in in 19, I had one client and two guests and a client would be like off the dome radio would be the client Mm -hmm. and you two would be the guests. Mm -hmm. Um, And so year two, I had one client and four guests. So 50% increase actually got the pricing a little bit better, um, hired a guide who was my father-in-law uh, and, and matured the business a little bit. But then again, at the end of that trip, which was wildly successful, um, just basically realized that hey, this is, you know, this is, I don't have time to do this for a living and we'll see what happens with it. Well, it's just grown and grown and grown from there. The next year I had two clients and 12 guests. This past year I had two clients and 20 guests. So I went from two to four to 12 to 20. Uh, I'm working with the United States Forest Service. I have fully uh, trained CPR certified EMT hired guides. We've got ham radio communication person to person. We have satellite communication. And what happens, you know, I'm asserting the legitimacy of the business, but that's not what I'm passionate about. What I'm passionate about as I get business leaders away from technology, away from their teams, away from their calendars, away from their family, away from the golf course, away from everything that, that sucks them and uses their energy every single day. And you put them around a campfire with other business leaders and magic happens. I've watched businesses get created. I've watched people come together and partner. Um, it is not, it's not uh, a lie to say that it, completely unleashes an amazing amount of potential to get people to 11,000 feet around a campfire and then challenge them with, you think that board call was tough. You think presenting in front of 200 people is tough. You got to go up there. 
way up there and you mm. probably don't think you're going to do it. But if you take it one step at a time, one foot in front of the other, I promise you, we can get you there. And, um, and so that's what Summit Wise is. And it's been just an amazing blessing to be part of that. That's awesome. That's so cool. Such a cool concept. Damn. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. You should check it out. Like I encourage uh, your listeners, summitwise.com or summitwise on Instagram. I, I, I'm not, it's not a shameless self-promotion. It's more of like, do, are you stuck in your leading your businesses? Mm-hmm. Do you feel yeah. like, you know, the retreat that you went on to the, or, or what a lot of people do. And it's just, it's unfortunate to me because I'll go on these things and it's best intentions, but it's like so surface where you take your whole team to, to lunch or you go to, you know, here in, or in Kansas city, there's like chicken and pickle, or you can eat chicken and play pickleball or you go bowling or you go to a movie or you do this offsite. And it's, it really requires intentionality and getting away from what you know is routine mm-hmm. going getting uncomfortable going and sleeping on the ground at eleven thousand feet now i want you to know the way that we do this is fantastic our tents are six person tents that two people go in you've got a whole like it seems like taj mahal of space <laughs> your sleeping pad is already set up you show up with a backpack that's it nice we've got all the food we've got all the water we've got all the transportation we have all the safety and security wildlife everything completely covered to where all you can all you have to do is think about yourself and think about your business in a new and authentic and unobstructed way with other business leaders and here's the main differentiator and i promise i'm trying not to make this a pitch i just am very passionate about it i love it when you go on when you go on these, you know, thinking about my competitors, it's largely a bunch of mountain guides that have come up through the mountain guide path or through the river raft path and the river rats and nothing against that. I, I, I said earlier this morning, I, I sometimes wish I would have been a river rat, which is, you know, screw college. I'm going to go just camp on the river. I'm going to guide people and see what happens. Well, that's what most guiding businesses are, the genesis of them. They somehow make it and become viable for us. I'm very specific about the leadership of this company. You've got myself who arguably has a you know 20 year experience that's wide and, and has a lot of breadth. You have another individual that helped write the business plan for the fastest growing business of the nineties. Another one of my guides just exited his plumbing and heating business last year and is trying to figure out what he's going to do the rest of his life. So when you sit around a campfire with us, we can speak into from a place of knowledge and understanding where you're at as a business leader. And um, it's amazing, guys. I've seen businesses launched. Um, like I said, what better what better thing to be able to say that in this moment, a person made a decision that he had been waiting on to launch a business and now it's wildly successful. So that's somewhat wise. That's, that's a side pro- project. And, and when I approached Jody back in February and we started talking about, you know, the Lumetta job before the CTO job, I told him, I said, listen, I'm going to be gone for two weeks in September. And here's what I do. I take business leaders into the mountains and we talk about how to, how we can do a better job leading people and growing our businesses. Imagine what he's hearing. Like, wait, I don't have to pay for you to go expo- get exposure around these guys and, and <laughs> yeah. girls yeah. that are dealing with what I'm dealing with every day. You know what he said? He's like, well, can I come? <laughs> yeah, right. Good on him. Yeah. yeah come. That is so awesome. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, and it gets people, you know, you mentioned going to play pickleball, which, you know, Tim's got a tournament coming up, so. <laughs> oh, I'm not disparaging yeah. it at all. <laughs> oh, and one, and one, one, uh, you said get off the golf course. Oh, I knew you'd go there. I knew you'd go there. <laughs> golf course gives me energy, so watch that. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> Sorry. 
Yeah, but golf course can give you energy, but usually it's like it's oh, there's a work thing, right? Like you're talking yeah. to somebody, not somebody, or if you're if you're playing bad, it can bring up. Yes, yeah. So, yeah, so if you're like yeah. me, you get more frustrated than than peace, and then it's you know, yeah, how many can I break over <laughs> my leg leg in the first nine? Um, but you you mentioned those things; those are still like in air quotes for just listen. Like you're in the noise. You're still in the noise of the hustle and bustle. Even if you like went out on the town, you're still looking at your phone and emails and people still have all the access to you. That's right. And, and I love what you've created. Like, you know, at some point we should go and see what we yes. can do with, with the podcast. Cause we have these grandiose visions and it's, you know, we're big picture people. And sometimes I at least struggle with the one step each day to, to get to that. Um, but yes. it, it cuts off people's access. You said, get away from families and friends and, and everything. And just, you can appreciate where you're physically at with, you know, the mountains and then the business too. Like, Oh man, we've done a lot of things, but where we're trying to get, what are we doing? That's right. And, and I think that's great. It just, you cut off access and you're out of the noise. That's right. And one of the questions I received this morning, was like, how much procurement and intentionality do you bring to those campsite or campfire moments? And an interesting thing to your point, very little. Imagine, imagine you've arrived at the camp here at 11,000 feet. There's this beautiful campfire going and chairs and you plop down. And I asked you, Colin, what does it look like for you to win in the business you're in right now? And four hours later, everyone's just talking about like, what does it actually mean to win? I'm not talking about, well, a fantastic exit at, you know, 14 X R A R R. Like, what does it really mean for you yeah. to win? And that the, the, the point isn't like, the point isn't about the efficacy of one question. It's the fact that when you take all that stuff away, if I was to ask you that right now, you probably wouldn't get through half of your explanation before something goes off in your brain that you're supposed to be accountable to, whether it's your phone or it's lunch or your next appointment or something. When yeah. you take all that away, that question can actually seat deep in and you can, you can get to that vulnerable place of re, redefining what it means for you to win. Mm-hmm. You can't do that in the boardroom or you can't do that in a conference room, but you can right. at 11,000 feet stuck in wind around a campfire. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think it pulls out emotion. Like people can feel it, like what that win is, not just the day to day. All right. Another day, another dollar. You know, we got this meeting. We're going to line up this. This is how we're scaling. It's you feel what you want to have. Yes. That's exactly right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so yeah. cool. Oh, that's awesome. So, we already have one locked in for next year, looking to get another one. Um, it's really a, a short time window with a really deep experience, meaning yeah. we go after Labor Day, everyone's gone home, um, and, and there's not many people in the mountains. The turn, I don't know if you're familiar with the Aspen turn, but every fall, oh, yeah. the Aspen's yeah. in Colorado turn. Uh, so it's really a curated depth of an experience that we're pretty passionate about. So that's where you guys do it, out in Aspen? No, um, we do it uh, near Buena Vista or Leadville. Those are two towns right oh, okay. in the heart of Colorado in the Arkansas River Valley. Okay. Yeah, I've heard of Leadville. Had a had a patient once. He did a mountain biking. I forget what they call it, but like it's a big deal just to finish. Leadville um, 100. Yep, that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And what I love most about like what you've shared today is you said like earlier in your career, when you first started, like you took that initiative to like have conversations with people and get, get people scheduled one-on-ones, get away from work for a little bit and learn about what they do. 
Would you say that's, I mean, has that been a common thing in your life and influence kind of this business as well? Cause I see kind of commonality between that, like getting, getting intimate time with someone and learning about what they do. sounds like that's been a big driver for a lot of things that you've done in your career is like getting, yeah, you, that. absolutely. That's huge. There was an, like, I keep using the word. I mean, there was an inflection point in about 2008 where the first thing you have to realize is you don't have it all figured out. Cause I could take, I could take, I could have taken those folks out to lunch or to coffee yeah. and tried to posture myself as having it all figured out. But I still remember the moment when I was, I, there was a guy named Craig and he was a chief operating officer of a SaaS business in Kansas city. And someone had said, Hey, you should go talk to him. And I got him to lunch and we're sitting around doing the pleasantries, like, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And I just said, I don't know what to do. I, I don't have this. I, I, I'm lost. Like, it's really confusing to me. It's challenging. It's terrifying. Actually, I'm in charge of all these people. And, and the, the problem is this and that. And he just took me in. Um, and so, yeah, seeking people out and being intentional about having those meetings and then being vulnerable in it. That, that leads to transformative growth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think also like seeing it from their point of view of the person you reach out to, that's like a form of leadership and mentorship that they gain too, because they have wisdom that they can impart on you. And I think like anytime someone asks me like, Hey, how can I be a leader? Whether it's in my organization or outside of my organization, you can be a leader if you don't have, even if you don't have manager, director or supervisor in your job title, if you know something that someone else doesn't, or if you know a skill that someone's not as good at, or if you have wisdom to pass on to someone, like that's leadership. So I feel like people, that's right. if people want to be a better leader for themselves and for others, like they'll say yes to those conversations when you see, seek them out. And those are the types of people you want to be around anyway. So yeah, you and I, I mean, the three of us could talk about uh, folks on my team that have high potential that I've identified as leaders that have no direct reports and that have a very entry level title. Mm -hmm. And that, that's another tip like, that I would give is, you know, when you're having, when you're having a leadership meeting, now I have my senior leaders, there's four folks and the, the five of us get together every week. But beyond that, we've identified there's a hierarchical leader and there's a high potential leader. Invite those people in and, and you know, you're going to have some conflict because of the other people that are at that same title level and under, trying to understand like, well, how's come Crystal got invited to the leadership team? She's not a leader of people. No, she's not, but she's demonstrated the the core values that are key to us being successful and, and demonstrated a work ethic that's beyond reproach. So she's getting invited into these conversations because I, I see her as a leader now and an even better leader in the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In terms of like the, uh, the working style at Firemon, are you guys like fully remote right now or hybrid or what's the working situation like? So we are fully remote and hybrid. So I think it's so fun to be in this place where we're determining what both of those things mean right now. Um, if I was to say hybrid to you, that's great. But if I was to say hybrid to the marketplace of people that I'm trying to bring in, they immediately get recalcitrant and pull back. Because what that means is there's some thinly veiled expectation that you have on me that I'm going to have to come into a physical location. So you lead with remote first. Uh, so we are we are remote first, but we're hybrid in that 80% of my organization lives in Kansas City, where our headquarters is located. So while I can't tell you, you have to go into the office. Some people still want to be able to do that. That's the hybrid nature, but I'm not going to make anyone move back into the office. My perspective is like, if you, if you're building a technology organization today and you don't have some sort of flexibility around remote work, you're going to have a really hard time. 
it's now ingrained in the culture of at least software development and building a tech organization. Um, but if you have the opportunity to have a home base where people can gather, that's the best of both worlds. And that's essential. And here's why. When I imagine we're in a leadership group and, and we're trying to determine the next steps for this organization, we can talk about it and I can write things down on here. Or we could even have a OneNote document that we share. And it's, I would say, about 80% productive. But there are moments that you just have to be in person. And I would not have said that a month ago. So two, three weeks ago, I gathered my leadership team for leadership training. And the day before, we were in the same location, in the same space, in a beautiful whiteboard, and we filled it. We absolutely filled it with things like, what do we need from the HR organization that we're not getting right now? What are some of the blockers? And let's just stream of consciousness, write stuff up on the board. You can't, it's very challenging. It's very challenging to capture that type of an experience when you're working like this. So I think, you know, I would answer your question uh, succinctly by saying Firemont is a remote first culture. We have the opportunity to be hybrid. We have an office that's located in Kansas City where we'll pay and bring people in to have meetings on occasion. Um, that's that's where we're at right now. But there is a benefit from being in person that is undeniable. Yeah. Okay. What are, are there any specific ways that get, because you're remote first, are there ways that you preserve like employee belonging? Because obviously when people are like distributed around like underneath like programs you guys do or things that you guys do to like strengthen the culture, even though people are distributed remotely. Yes. So we have a really healthy, uh, we're, we're moving towards a really healthy, we don't currently recognition um, approach. And, and you tie that to what is the your main communication tenets in a remote workplace. So I'm sure both of you are familiar with Slack. Mm-hmm. And, and you can actually tie a rewards program around participation in Slack. And we've got a shout outs channel where I'm like, dude, Colin, awesome shirt today. It made me think of when I was, you know, back in, in Warsaw and really great job <laughs> wearing that, whatever it might Grinding be. Grinding on them streets. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, up and down center street. It was rough. Um, <laughs> but then like circling back during your, your cadence meetings, you're all hands, which is an, a whole nother point where you need to have cadence meetings where you're bringing everybody together on a global global as the organization is related scale. Uh, and part of those meetings are recognition and being like, Hey, Colin, you know, you got the shout out award. Here's a $25 Amazon gift card and trying to uh, induce and incentivize and, um, an enthusiastic, um, communication style through the remote workplace. Um, I'm trying, there are other things too, that we're, we're, te- that we're thinking about doing kind of what you might think is strange, but because of remote work, there'd be, more and more readily available things like this imagine if if i partnered with this business that sends out barbecue kits okay and and my small team of 10 people all get the same barbecue kit and with that comes a 20 dollars gift card to um, an online liquor store where you can buy beer or wine and we're going to carve off friday at two o'clock and we're going to gather around the barbecue and with our beer and wine, we're going to go through a curated barbecue experience by this company where you all join a Zoom on your mobile phone, just set it up next to your barbecue. And this person's going to walk you through what it's like to grill a really great steak, brisket, pulled pork, whatever it might be. Oh, it requires spending a little bit more money, Tim, but those are the type of things that are becoming more and more available. I was at that presentation this morning and there's a woman business leader there that that's exactly what she's doing. And she's doing it through craft, 
which for me, I'm like, I'll pass. But, you know, that's just more and more of what's becoming available. Like imagine mm-hmm. sending out this Lego kit, like a Lego kit to everyone, especially in software development and saying like, yeah. we're going to speed build this Lego kit together mm-hmm. on Zoom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to be intentional. You have to be intentional. You, have to. you can't yeah. just be like, hey, we're remote. and Everything's great. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're knowing your people at a different level too. Right. And I, I think it's funny that, you know, you mentioned nowadays, if, if people see hybrid, they, they shy away when, yeah. you know, two years ago is you were in the office at least 40 hours a week. And now it's how dare you ask me to come into the office. <laughs> so I was curious on what your thoughts in terms of landscape of companies as a whole with remote work, because now people, you know, you can't hardly ask them to go into the office. And I'm wondering if companies are going to lose out on better prospects of employees if they have a hybrid situation where it's not almost entirely remote. Sure. Great question. I think it's a pendulum where, and I have a unique perspective because when we moved from Kansas city to Colorado, we did it because I got a remote job before COVID. Hmm. Um, And that was really, really hard to find. It took me about three years to find a good job that was off also remote. And back then it was all WebEx, no video whatsoever. So, I mean, it's really hard to even imagine these days, but to your question, I think it really depends on the type of business. We've debated this at the executive level extensively. We have some very strong um, opinions with some of the employees that have been around for a long time that you cannot succeed remote at all. And there's there's a ton of examples of the antithesis to that point that I don't need to belabor. You can be successful. You just have to be intentional. Uh, as it relates to my purview in the software business, if I was to take a hard line hybrid right now, I think you could easily call 60, 70% of the, the candidates in this space. They're like, nope, it has to be remote. I, I have to. I, that's that's culturally ingrained now. It's it's not going to change. Um, there's going to be available remote jobs, uh, period. And, and yeah, that, that's the end of that one for me. I, I have some opinions about how to be successful working from a remote you know, position. It has a lot to do with what you're seeing right now. So you know, if you were to ask me, what, what are some key tenets of um, procuring a healthy remote culture? It's, it's first and foremost, it's video right? and empowering your people to have video. Like if it's a 4K screen or a 4K camera, purchase that and send it to them. Enable, enable a healthy work, work uh, remote work by purchasing the right gear. The second thing is, you know, backgrounds uh, that might seem trivial, but when you obscure your background, what kind of message is that conveying to the person? Like, first, I've had people say, well, my office is messy. Well, clean your freaking office, you know, <laughs> like, um, you know, or they put a picture of them and, in, in, you know, in the beach. It, it might seem a little pedantic, but for me, it's I want you to remember that I love, you know, I guess over here, I love Colorado and I work for Firemont and I'm an avid reader of Harry Potter. Like these things are intentionally place there to convey to you the type of person I am, what I am interested in outside of work. And that I have no, nothing to hide. Like what you see is what you get. Yeah. And once more and more, it's interesting. Once you start doing that, you'll watch as more people like turn their video on and turn off the blur and turn off the background. And everyone's just getting to more and more of what it is like to be in person mm-hmm. to, sa- yeah. to satisfy and answer that question. Good yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah. And the Harry Potter, Potter books are fantastic too. 
Um, six was my favorite bookend movie. Yes. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No debate. But yeah, no, it's a good point of just letting people like see them genuinely. Like, you know, they're more vulnerable at home. So it probably feels a little different. Oh, I'm kind of like showing I'm almost naked, you know, per se showing my room or what it may be, but yeah, it's you guys, you're, you're, you're team building, even when you're working, right. like you're just getting to know each yeah. other all the time. Yeah. One of the high moments of, um, this is, this is related was we did the all the last all hands, the leadership team was in Kansas city. So we kicked it off from the office, which is an awesome space and uh, a beauty of zoom that you should take advantage of. And then this is another, I'll, I'll get to the point is you can now switch between the zoom meeting, like what you're in right now, what we're in to zoom on your phone. We've got this mobile switch and it, it, you just click on the button. You have zoom installed on your phone. You can move. I could move from this to this. And what that, what that allows for you is to go mobile. And in the workplace that we were in, I show we're building out a new space and everyone's really excited about like this space. It's going to be awesome. And so I kicked off the meeting and immediately transferred to my phone and did an entire tour of the office just to show people like, yeah, I, I understand you love working from home, but this is a really cool place. There's a kegerator, there's wine, there's food, like there's open space to play and hang. Um, that was really cool. I got an incredible amount of feedback from that, but maybe back to your earlier question about purveying a really healthy remote culture. One of the exercises you can do, if you're comfortable, you have to caveat it is give a tour of your office, your work, your office. Um, Cause right now you guys have no idea what's beyond the, the video camera whatsoever. Right. So we did that and it was a raving success, especially the guy who he took all the liquor cap, uh, the liquor bottles in his cabinet and arranged them around his desk. <laughs> <laughs> and then he, he kicked it off and he was like, yeah, this is my desk. And everyone just started laughing. And like, that was hilarious. But yeah, I did that and I got up and, yeah, right. oh yeah, right. Walked <laughs> around, showed them. I have a guitar over there with a pedal board. And I have a yoga mat right there because that's important to me. And that's another tool in your tool belt for building a healthy remote culture. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a great idea. This this booze when I'm doing emails, this bourbon when I'm doing software, <laughs> this one when I got to make sales calls, let me just go, yes. go down the line. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. That's cool. Yeah, that's a great idea of just letting people see like, hey, what what's your space like? And, and that's cool. We like seeing people's offices and backgrounds. And, you know, some people have like curtains for their sound room or whatever it may be. So, yeah, that's that's fantastic. And it sounds like things are going well, especially with the people that you're leading too. you're very intentional. Yes. And I know that's, that's yeah. a big thing yeah. of yours. Yeah, it's exceptionally important and transparency and vulnerability. Um, it's essential, in my opinion, to, to creating a healthy culture and a, a place where people say, I love working there. I don't ever want to leave. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, Tim, any other questions for Justin before we kind of wrap things up? I think I'm good on my end. I think I've asked what I've okay. been to ask yeah. today. I think it's a good conversation. And 100%. I mean, I, I see a potential opportunity for maybe a round two at some point in the future. We've done round twos yeah. with people. And yeah, we've done round threes with people. We yeah. love round twos. I feel like the, the summit wise could be a whole whole episode of topics from that. So. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'd love to talk about summit wise. And I mean, honestly, I think a good, a good time to circle back would be in the middle of Q1 because right. we've done a bunch of intentional changes. And being fully transparent and vulnerable with you, I, I am very, I don't know how else to approach the problems that I'm facing right now, other than what I'm currently doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's no, there's no stone left unturned. There's no option that I haven't pursued. So the output of that is yet to be defined. Uh, mm-hmm. It's yet to be clear. Yeah. Has that been successful? It would make a lot of sense to me for the three of us to gather and 
you know, February, March-ish and, and start asking maybe questions about SummitWise, but also, okay, you reorged 100 people. You did these intentional, co-located, self-sufficient teams. Did it work or did yeah. it not? Yeah. And why? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be a great conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, Justin, Thank anything else? Uh, I just want to see if there's anything else you wanted to touch on before. We always ask one final question to all of our guests, but anything else you want to cover uh, that we haven't yet? No, sir. That's been fantastic. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, so we always just like to wrap things up asking our guests, how how would you like to be remembered when it's all said and done? Justin, how do you want people to remember and think of you? Hmm. As as someone who always put other people first, I, I, you know the, the size of my bank account and the, my possessions will matter not in that moment, but whether or not I stopped and had a conversation and help someone as I've been helped for so long. Um, and maybe the, the encouragement that I give, the motivation, the inspiration that, that I give, changing someone for the better, that's how I want to be remembered, is a person who first gave before ever thinking of taking. Love it. Absolutely love it. Thank you. That was great. Thank yeah, you man, this yeah. was a great episode. We appreciate your time uh, and hanging with us today. So very, a lot of value here. I know our audience is going to love it. We really enjoyed it. So just thank you, man. Yeah, Colin, Tim, great to, great to see you. Look forward to meeting you sometime in person. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Definitely, definitely. Absolutely. Thank you again. And yeah, yeah. We'll, uh, what to expect from here. You expect an email from me within the week that has the audio of the episode and it'll have a two to three minute intro of us at the beginning, kind of recapping the episode, what we talked about, intro you, our thoughts. Um, and then we'll also send you like show notes and like a show description that will be published along with the episode for all for your review before we publish. So that's what you'll okay. get from us. Okay, got it. Thank you guys so much. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank thank you. you. Take care. See you. Yep. See ya.